the freak show that is the World Economic Forum held their annual meeting in Davos last week. Unless you live under a rock, you probably have heard about this group of elitists. You've at least heard Alex Jones rant and rave about them. They're the richest, most privileged, and powerful individuals in the world. They live at the highest echelon of society, run in circles, and enjoy luxury you can't even imagine. Just take it from former Secretary of State John Kerry, who opened up the conference by saying that those in attendance at Davos are special and savior-like. Just listen. And when you stop and think about it, it's pretty extraordinary that we, select group of human beings, because of whatever touched us at some point in our lives, are able to sit in a room and come together and uh, actually talk about saving the planet. I mean, it's so almost extraterrestrial to think about. Was that ideology a part of your whole skull and bones initiation or hazing? Who the f thinks like that? This gathering of saviors has been going on since the 70s. But it seems like only in recent years has anyone bothered to even pay attention to this den of tyrants. The event drew more than 2,700 people. And these aren't just hidden U.S. political figures there. They're big names, like Georgia Governor Brian Kemp, Senator Kristen Sinema, and the sometimes Republican, sometimes Democrat milquetoast Senator Manchin. We'll get to him later. They come to this globalist event like they care or they're benevolent. But really, it is all about power and controlling you. Besides, why are elected leaders who were paid to represent you even in Davos at a glitzy conference enjoying a holiday in Switzerland? What did you do last week? I doubt it was partying with the elite. Yet it's this one group that has been silently guiding geopolitics for decades. If you spend any time on Twitter or Instagram or the alt-right universe, you've probably heard their infamous nine little words of how they feel the future will be. Quote, you will own nothing and you will be happy. Sure, they also want us to eat bug meat, but these are the things we already know about them. And to avoid this from becoming a bro podcast, where I just talk about things in a general sense and repeat things I've heard other people say, we're going to dive a little bit deeper and recap what happened last week. After the new year, the World Economic Forum began throwing around the term polycrisis. Listen to this excerpt on their website, quote, the collective vocabularies stored in the world's great dictionaries didn't appear to hold a single word to sum up all this strife. So here's a new one, polycrisis. The World Economic Forum's Global Risk Report 2023 uses the term to explain how present and future risks can also interact with each other to form a polycrisis, a cluster of related global risks with compounding effects, such that the overall impact exceeds the sum of each part. End quote. This will likely become the new buzzword of 2023, just like how Build Back Better became Joe Biden's campaign slogan. But this wasn't just a trendy term to toss around. It became the undertone of their entire conference, whose theme was cooperation in a fragmented world. Leave it to Klaus Schwab to bring together a group of people to offer up some of the most out-of-touch and ethically repugnant solutions to this fragmentation. What they tell us to do at the World Economic Forum, we must oblige. Don't ask questions, just comply. They are our Lord and we are their serfs. Foreign Minister of Slovenia, 
Tanja Fahan did not mince words when she said that sovereign nations must respect the international rules of the world order. Take a listen. We have to take care of the rules of the international law and really respect that and not change it in a time when there are countries that choose the way not to respect them. So now that you know you must comply or else, here are the top 10 revelations and predictions that come out of the World Economic Forum meeting in Davos. That way, you know what to look out for. While the elite used to try to deny the fact that they were setting up a new world order, it's now out in the open. They're saying the quiet part out loud and they don't really care who's around to hear it. Check out Pakistan's Minister of Foreign Affairs, who's talking about the new world order developing as if it's nothing shocking. I hope this time round, once we're building this new world order or new rules-based order, the voice of the global south and the developing world is included. One of the key parts of this, or at least the one that everybody likes to talk about, is this obsession with not eating meat. You've probably heard Alex Jones riff on Bill Gates and his desire to have the world transcend into eating synthetic meat. Because obviously there's something wrong with cows that doesn't fit their narrative. And they're still harping on this, going strong. The chairman at Siemens, Jim Hagman, said this when talking about meat. But if a billion people stop eating meat, I tell you it has a big impact. Not only does it have a big impact on the current food system, but it will also inspire innovation mm -hmm. of food systems. Mm -hmm. And I predict that we will have proteins not coming from um, meat in the future they will probably taste even better. So why are we trying to mimic meat if we can have a better taste? They will be zero carbon and much healthier than the kind of food that we eat today. That is a mission that we need to get on. I can Number two, buckle up for more pandemics. The people at the World Economic Forum are just so horny for a crisis. They were salivating at COVID-19, and they can't believe that that's already been three years since that happened, and they want it again. Listen as economist Larry Summers predicts that we'll have another COVID-19-like crisis in the very near future. The odds, in my view, are better than 50-50 that there will be a COVID-scale problem within the next 15 years. Does this mean that they're going to cause one or they're just going to be waiting by the sidelines with their tyrannical control measures? You be the judge. Number three, Big Brother is getting bigger. Why is no one more freaked out that the government and the private sector are joining forces? When it was revealed that the FBI had paid Twitter to help silence and censor people, nobody really said anything about it. It didn't make a big splash, but I would think the government coordinating to censor free speech would, I don't know, sound a little bit fascist, but that's just me. Now we have FBI Director Christopher Wray out at the World Economic Forum bragging about the coordination. Like, it's nothing to be afraid of. I guess they realized no one really cared, so now they can just proceed. Take a listen. Uh, on the other hand, I think the, uh, the sophistication of the private sector is, is improving, and and particularly important, the level of collaboration between the private sector and the government, especially the FBI, has, I think, uh, made significant strides. Number four, the elite are still hot for vaccines. Someone really needs to call up former Prime Minister Tony Blair and tell him he's a has-been. He was relevant like 20 years ago. No one really cares what he says. 
but he still wants to go out here and talk about vaccines. He mentioned this before about vaccine passports, and here he is at the forum in Davos saying that we need to create a digital infrastructure. So that must mean more vaccines are coming. Just take a listen to what he said. I think there's a huge impetus now for a national digital infrastructure. Digitization in, in healthcare is, I think, one of the great game changers. You know, we should be helping countries to develop a national digital infrastructure, which they will need with these new vaccines. And then, you know, finally, it, it, it's, it's also about showing people and showing the political leadership that you can make a positive difference to your healthcare system by adopting these measures because they've got, a, they've got an impact beyond any particular disease and, or, or, or pandemic. I guess roll your right sleeve up to get a shot and then roll the other one up so you can get chipped. I mean, how are they going to track all of this? I don't even want to know what type of 1984 weirdness they've developed to track vaccines in people. But now, if that wasn't weird enough, Moderna CEO Stephanie Bansell admitted that his company started developing an mRNA coronavirus vaccine in January of 2020. That was a couple months before the pandemic was officially even declared one by the World Health Organization. See what he said here. The last time we were here in Davos in the winter, uh, it was uh, January 2020. Yeah. And I saw you at that point, and we were at a breakfast um, right over here at the Belvedere. I remember. And you came up to me in this small room, and you were talking about how you had actually, the, you were working on a vaccine mm -hmm. for, for COVID. And at that point, COVID-19 didn't even really exist yeah. in our minds. We, we were just hearing that. about the yeah. I think there was no name at that time. Yeah. Coronavirus. Yeah. Right. Number five, more censorship is coming. What if I told you that the elite wanted to censor your words and probably even your thoughts? Well, that would be the understatement of the year. So instead of pontificating or bloviating more on that, because you already know what they've been up to, let's just dive into a few sound bites from the World Economic Forum conference so you can see how aggressive they plan on pushing this. The one that should really make your blood boil comes from Senator Joe Manchin. You know that guy from West Virginia who can't decide whether he's a Republican or Democrat? Really, he just wants to ride the fence so he can always get all the attention? Well, he showed up and opened his big fat flapper, which, shocking, he's not a very bright man, had the audacity and the unmitigated gall to take a giant dump on the First Amendment. It's not like this is taken out of context. You don't say something like this unless you mean it. Just listen. Uh the problem that we have is the open press system and basically all the platforms. So if you're able to have five platforms, social platforms, that you can basically um, personify the extremes, somebody who is extremely right or extremely left, and it seems like that is the majority speaking, they're not the majority, but they're basically driving everybody to make a decision. What side are you on? Are you on this side or this side? And in America, there's only one side, the American side. It's not the Republican side or Democrat. We should be coming together to solve the problems from a different angle. The problem is the free and open press system? Uh, no, sir. The problem is you. You're a little tyrant. Then you go on to say there's not a Republican side or a Democrat side. There's one side. Catch that under being American. Uh, the very principle of free speech is that there's a variety of opinion and we can choose what we want. It also seems like it's no longer conspiracy that the LGBTQIA plus agenda is being pushed on Americans, being shoved down our throats through culture 
specifically by Hollywood. Just check out this soundbite from one of the panels at the Davos Forum. Um, normalizing LGBTQ folks, including us in all stories. So that's the other piece that I think is really important. And we've worked really closely with Hollywood on this. We are all connected in the LGBTQ community. If subverting culture isn't enough, then they'll just blame everything on QAnon because you're too stupid to have your own opinions, right? You just follow cults. I mean, especially when you have people who deny reality. Um, who are holding office, you know, I mean, literally people who are, you know, believe in space lasers um, and, you know, sort of have strange We know views. about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and have very strange views about, you know, about what we ought to be doing as a country. There still are people in the GOP caucus who are very pro-Russia. And I, I, I wonder about that in this day and age, in this moment. I, you know, it's not being critical of all Republicans, but I just don't know where that stuff comes from other than QAnon and I don't know. If the world doesn't do what they want it to and companies don't comply and censor people, then, well, they'll just wage holy war on it and try to shut them down. Listen to CEO Richard Edelman about how it's important to boycott social media platforms for that all-important dirty little word, disinformation. So I think the first thing that, because um, I mostly work with business, that business needs to do is deprive um, platforms that spread disinformation of oxygen. Stop advertising. Pull your promotion money. Make sure that they understand that they have a consequential impact on society. And the boycott of Twitter for several months has had a modest, modest impact. But I think the Facebook one failed. And, but the necessity of getting it right in the platforms that are probably primary source information for a third to 40% of people is urgent. Number six, we're heading towards a technocracy. All hail the brain chips. We're all gonna get jacked up on them just like the Terminator. That within many of our lifetimes, we'll see healthy people using implanted brain technology as well. Then we can decode complex thought. But as healthy people in a widespread way start to have their brainwave data collected, the insights that we can gain through pattern recognition will exponentially increase and pretty quickly. So five years from now, what we can actually decode will be massively increased from where we are today simply because we'll have a much greater data set from which we can actually create those correlations. Again, that's frightening but promising. But it doesn't just end there. Tech CEO Alex Karp discussed battlefield algorithms and how Ukraine is using new software to target Russians in the field. We have a set, we have a product that is not well known called MetaConstellation, and that product allows you to take, use algorithms on large data sets to hone in on adversaries over, say, for example, a whole country. And the integration of data from, the infusion of data from satellite, telephones, other sources, classified sources, and then the disambiguation of that so people only see what they are allowed to see on the battlefield is something that took us you know, 15 years to build in various forms. Uh, the Ukrainians, without going into all details, but some of us only, they, they, of course, went to the most important services in the world and said, okay, what should we use? And I'm very proud to hear they had one answer, Palantir. I can't ever imagine the United States government using such a lethal technology on anything other than what is pure and 
benevolent and righteous, can you? Need I remind you how many weddings and innocent people Barack Obama bombed just because he had the tech to do it. Number seven, they're still in love with climate change. First, let's hear from the inventor of the internet, Al Gore. Of the land and creating the droughts and melting the ice and raising the sea level and causing these waves of climate refugees predicted to reach one billion in this century. Look at the xenophobia and political authoritarian trends that have come from just a few million refugees. What about a billion? We would lose our capacity for self-governance on this world. We have to act. So in answer to your question, I would say we have to have a sense of urgency much greater than we have yet had, and we need have had, and we need to make some changes. Holy what was he on and where can I get some? Now we've already heard from John Kerry, but now let's hear from his daughter, Vanessa Kerry, because we all want to get preached at by Nepo baby about climate change. We have to start that now because to build that workforce that is going to manage the extra 250,000 deaths that we're going to see from climate change, the growing non-communicable disease, the existing disease that is already there, do these people not check their notes with each other? Is it a billion, like Al Gore said, or is it 250,000? Who cares? Facts don't matter, right? You can just identify with whatever number you agree with. Let's take this climate change message all the way home and bring it back to carbon taxing. Here's what Oxford University professor Nagar Woods said. So the one minimum thing that governments need to do, whether it's the Chinese government, the European Union government, African governments or the American government, and that's to set the rules that create an ecosystem for every company in the world to then make excellent decisions on the energy transition. You know, first, obviously, a carbon price, not a pretend price, but a real carbon price. Isn't that swell? One price to rule them all. Globalists are going to get together and decide how much carbon emission is okay and what price businesses should have to pay for emitting any. Question, are we going to have a carbon price every time a cow farts or are those carbon emissions okay? Number eight, expect cyber warfare. It's not just viruses and nuclear war you have to worry about. Now we might have cyber attacks, which could completely ruin our economic system. On their panel on cyber attacks, the World Economic Forum discussed how prevalent they feel this problem will be. And if they think it's coming, then we all know that it's probably going to be here because they'll make it happen by hook or crook. The most striking finding that we found is that 93% of cyber leaders and 86% of cyber business leaders believe that the geopolitical instability makes a catastrophic cyber event likely in the next two years. Number nine, they're dedicated to war with Russia. The Ukraine-Russia conflict has been going on for more than a year now. We ourselves, the United States, has pumped about $100 billion into this, even though it doesn't really affect us. We just want to get involved in everything just in case. You know our great track record in Afghanistan and Iraq, right? But just because we haven't totally dipped our toe into it doesn't mean the world won't be dealing with this for a while. The Prime Minister of Finland is pretty positive that Ukraine is going to be the next global Afghanistan and that will be there for decades. Take a listen. I think the only message that we need to send that we will support Ukraine as long as needed. One year, two years, five years, 10 years, 15 years. We will support Ukraine as long as needed. Number 10, more disease. 
you thought COVID-19 was rough, the forever flu, just wait until we catch the next plague that they think is coming our way. The director of the World Health Organization, Tedros, is warning that we should be on the lookout for tuberculosis coming back. It's a matter of time, but sooner or later, of course, those countries who think that it will not come to them as a problem mm -hmm. may come. Even imagine the extreme disease uh, resistance, uh, TB. Uh, it, it, it's already uh, coming. That's it for the wrap-up of the World Economic Forum Davos 2023 meeting. Thanks for listening, and be sure to tune in next Sunday night for an all-new episode of Overnight Opinions. Don't forget to follow the Ladies Love Politics channel on TikTok and Rumble.